Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. This headline from the Bloomberg Professional Service, Uber has fired self-driving executive Anthony Lewandowski. He's the former head of its self-driving car program. He was fired over his refusal to cooperate in its legal battle against Waymo. Stocks lower, S&P down two, a drop of one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ down eight, also a drop of one-tenth of one percent. Dow Industrials down 46, down two-tenths of one percent. Gold down six dollars the ounce to 12.62, down five-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude, lower little change, down five cents now at 49.75 a barrel. That is a drop of one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Well, it's 1148 here on the West Coast and 248 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Jonathan Bernstein, a columnist for Bloomberg View. Many people attacked Republican leaders and those Montana Republicans who stuck with their candidate for their mild reactions to Greg Gianforte's thuggish behavior in body slamming a reporter. And in one sense, Republicans deserve it. This isn't an isolated incident, but of a piece with over 40 years of irresponsible and anti-democratic media bashing. However, I have a lot of sympathy for those partisan Republicans who agreed Gianforte was wrong and voted for him anyway, and yes, for party leaders at that point, too. When a party nominates a clown, a thug, or worse, the party's voters are left with an impossible choice. I'm not saying that voters should stick with their party's candidate, just that it's a lose-lose choice, and I can't blame voters. The check against electing thugs is to hold parties responsible for the candidates they nominate. Party actors have a lot of ways to block the nomination of unacceptable candidates. So if Montana Republicans nominate Gianforte again in 2018, the party would certainly be guilty of tolerating violence against journalists. I'm Jonathan Bernstein. For more View, please go to BloombergView.com or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard every day, weekly this time, I should say, at 548, 840, and 1148 on Wall Street. Indeed, you are listening to Bloomberg Markets on this Tuesday. Carol Master along with Corey Johnson. One of the most read stories on the Bloomberg right now, and this caught my attention, Corey. Uh, Steve Cohen's .72 asset management has made no money this year, barely posted a gain last year, and even so, he's got a pretty uh, wild goal, and that is raising close to $10 billion in outside capital next year. So what he plans to do, at least according to people familiar with his family office, he plans to combine the new money with most of his family war chest of $11 billion, Corey, and that would bring the total to about $20 billion. If successful, if he can do this and raises that uh, outside capital next year, it would be the biggest hedge fund launch ever, and the billionaire would manage more money than he did at his peak. Go figure. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Taylor, Woody Benson with us, uh, as he always is here on Tuesday. He's brought along a read uh, service in the Russian read. Listen to me. Read? I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> read service as general partner at The Engine. And uh, it's an interesting sort of approach to venture capital work with MIT. Reed, read, explain to me this approach. Sure. Um, so the engine in Cambridge, Mass, uh, was an initiative launched by MIT recently. We're a uh, venture fund looking to support the early stage of hard science-based uh, companies. So we identified a gap in the market that uh, 
we feel we should uh, help fill, and uh, we're off off uh, off and running. What's the gap in the market, if I, if I may ask? Because I feel like there are more sources of capital for startups, you know, from angel all the way up uh, at this juncture. So, what is it that's different about you guys? So, what gap sure. are you filling? Yeah, if you if you look at the investment uh, market now, there's a fair amount of funding in the U.S. for basic research uh, uh, in academia and uh, the, the, from the public sector. In the private investment world, it's heavily, heavily tilted towards software companies and life sciences uh, companies for healthcare. Uh, and left behind, in our opinion, are companies that will have, based on scientific and technological breakthroughs in material science, advanced manufacturing, some of the hard physical sciences that could have enormous impact on society uh, if they're successfully commercialized, but take longer, have a lot of technology risk, and in, in our opinion, require a slightly different point of view on, on making investments. So, Reed, this is the crux of the biscuit, uh, isn't it, for the engine fund, is where normal funds or other funds may say no because they don't see a capital return, you would be more inclined to make a bet because you see a huge technological bre- uh, breakthrough, you know, regardless of financial return. Yeah, regardless, in you know, at the end of the day, of course, you know, uh, our investors um, do want a financial return and for the engine to be a sustainable long-term enterprise, we will have to generate that financial return. Um, but absolutely, we have to take a longer, um, longer view, longer time frame. So even some structural things like most venture firms could ex- venture funds could extend to let's say 10-year life. Ours can extend to 18 years life. So that's that's an example of, of things that we think we have to take differently for this type of investment. That's kind of amazing, Jordan. You went outside uh, for capital, not just the MIT endowment fund. So can you talk about uh, the the other limited partners that came in uh, with you guys to share this vision? Yeah, I mean, I can say generally for the first fund, uh, so we've done a first close on our first fund, the LP base, MIT is an anchor, so we, we closed, I think we announced just over $150 million in our first close for the first fund. MIT has committed $25 million of that, so they're an anchor, but they're not, they're not the, um, uh, the majority of, of, the, of the investment dollars. Um, many of the LPs are um, uh, wealthy families who take a long-term view of, of returns and you know, perhaps even skipping a generation might be a feature, not a bug. So, This, this long-term return is, is a fairly amazing thing. Uh, uh, you know, maybe contrast it with what other venture funds typically do, even in life sciences where the science is complicated and takes a while. Yeah, it's um, – and it's – honestly, we're, um, we're writing the story as we get started. The um, – um, one of the, th- the challenges that we see is that the gap or, th- or the, the types of support that these transformational businesses require is, is missing really at the earliest stages. So, so we are looking for um, teams that at the earliest stage might be coming right out of the lab. And, you know, Woody's, you're right. It's like a lot of venture uh, folks were like, well, we don't like to invest in science projects. Um, you don't really know 
necessarily what the best and highest use of this breakthrough is in terms of the right market. You don't really know. We have to turn the crank once, twice, three times before you can figure out how to, to get uh, from a prototype or lab stage to a prototype to a commercial product. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of But you guys have technical. done a lot to really help the companies, right, with the marketplace and collaboration with MIT? Yeah, yeah, that's actually that's a really good point. So it's um, we are trying to fill the gap with more than just capital. So one of the things that you can see, obviously, and uh, let's take the software world. Uh, so it's over the the last. 10, 20 years, open source software, elastic pricing of cloud hosting and resources, use of the internet for knowledge sharing is, for software companies has created this really gentle on-ramp uh, and kind of bite-sized incremental progress that, without many resources being required. Now imagine that you're doing a, uh, an advanced material or graphene membrane for filtration and pharmaceuticals and you can't even make any progress without millions of dollars worth of equipment and expertise. We're, we're trying to bring that to play as well. And it's interesting, too, that you guys are providing space, too, so I'm assuming that there'll be some, you know, folks are able to talk to one another, and that, that kind of is part of the innovative process. We, unfortunately, have run out of time, but hopefully we can get more from Reed at another date. Reed Sturt event, general partner at The Engine on the phone in Cambridge, Woody Benson, venture partner at Launch Capital, Bloomberg contributor on the phone from Boston. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. Carol Master, Corey Johnson, this is Bloomberg. <laughs> 